Hey, when we leave today, we are in the book of Joel. When you leave today, I got a two-page copy of something. It's uh, uh, basically just a further description of Jesus' Olivet Discourse. You'll want to read that. And the millennial period. So all this can't be preached because we're going through Joel at such a clip. So this is extra. If you want to read more and know more, be more knowledgeable in the Word of God, and there's references there. I gave you the references so that you can actually look it up for yourself and do a little bit more research if you so desire. And I would encourage you as a Christian to grow more and more in your faith because of these last days. And I believe we're in the last days. People want to know more and more about what the Bible says. The reason people, I've heard uh, more than one conversation this week, that the church is dead. Can I tell you something? The church of the living God will never be dead. It'll get lazy sometimes, right? Because we look at the book of Revelation. There are churches who actually have left their first love. They, they like activities and so many different things. There's the church of Laodicea in the Bible. Neither hot nor cold, the Lord says. You make me want to vomit. You make me sick. But that was still to the church. And so today, I don't know where you find yourself. If you're weary and well-doing, if you're tired of just attending, if you're tired of just whatever, listen, let me get, ask you and encourage you to get off the religious Ferris will and get into a relationship with Jesus Christ and serve him until he comes because he is coming again. Amen? You can be as lazy as you want to be. You can be as apathetic as you want to be. But listen, the day that he comes, he's going to catch you and by surprise. Why would you want to appear before the Lord Jesus Christ who died for your sins, who rose again the third day according to the scripture, God raised him from the dead. Why would you want to meet him face to face and not hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant? Do you want to hear that? You will not hear it unless you've done well. Does everybody understand? And how do you know how to do well? Well, he prescribes it in Scripture. He tells you ahead of time, listen, you're saved by his grace through faith that he gives you, by the way. And then you're to get to work with the job that he's preordained for you to do. That's Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. If you're not doing the work that God's called you to do, you will not hear, well done, that good and faithful servant. You don't get a pass in heaven. God's not woke. God's not one of those that just gives you a trophy just because. You will get to heaven, but listen, there's some white horses we're riding back on, and I believe you're going to be shoveling in the barn if you, get, if you don't work for the Lord. There's rewards based what the Lord says. Listen, it's grace-based first. That's how we get to heaven. It's faith that he gives us, a measure of faith, and then he gives us a job that he says he is preordained for you and for me to do. Does that get you excited or does that give you an oh me? God's got an assignment for you. If you're not doing his assignment, and his assignment starts in the local church. And then it goes beyond to the world. And if you're not doing his assignment, no matter how hard it is. I heard the kids this morning in nursery. They were loud today. The kids were loud today. But those people that are faithfully serving as teachers and those who are caregivers this morning, listen, they're blessing the Lord as they serve because that's just a part of what they're doing. I look back in the booth and see Mr. Orrin back there. He's got two teenagers flanking him on the right back there. And they're doing our broadcast and our words this morning. There's people serving all around. There's people serving security. Were you greeted this morning when you came in? Did somebody say good morning? If they didn't, you were probably late or really early, right? There were people who prayed together this morning, people who played instruments, people who sang songs. There's people doing all kinds of different things that we don't even know that they're doing. They do behind the scenes, and they serve the Lord with gladness. Let me just encourage you today, not fuss at you today, but let me encourage you. If you're a Christian, be about the work that God has preordained for you to do. You say, well, I don't know what he wants me to do. That's a cop-out. What you do is take his word. If it's God's plan, if you do it God's way, what do you get, church? God's results. How do you know God's plan? You read God's word. 
And how do you know what God's Word says? Well, He even let us have it in the English language. If you speak English, Spanish, Mandarin, go down the list. You have a copy of the Word of God in your language. If you don't have a copy, see Richard Bragg. He's a Gideon back there, and he'll get you one. He'll find you one. Uh, somehow he'll come up with it. I don't know how he does, but he always comes up with a, a translation that I ask him for. He even got a translation of English and Japanese one time for me because somebody wanted to read with their Japanese friend uh, the Word of God. And, and they, he, he found the Gideons produced the Bible somehow that way. So listen, the Word of God is there for you to read. And if you can't read, you say, well, I can't see anymore. Well, I understand that. You can actually play audio Bible, BibleGateway.com. If you don't have a resource, go to BibleGateway.com, and you can click on audio Bible, and it will read the whole Bible to you. I was listening to, and therefore went through the whole book of Deuteronomy from here to Columbia and back this past week. You can just absolutely clip off the Word of God, and what he does, he starts hiding those treasures that he wants you to know in your heart. Cut the music off, cut the Word of God on. Let him do a work that only he can do. Now, here we're going to go back more than 2,000 years, and we're going to clip into the before Christ came, and we got a prophet, Joel. He's unlocking the door for future prophecy. We've been looking at Joel for the last couple of weeks. We saw the locust plague. That's why you have a grasshopper or a locust on the screen, and that's not why there's, one on, there's why there's a bug on your bulletin today. This, today's the last day for the bug, all right? But we want to see... Joel is going to, as you look at your notes, you'll see Joel is going to take, and he has been taking, that prophecy uh, of the, the plague, I mean, that came, and he's going to speak God's word to the people. He's going to say, thus said the word of God, and he's going to say, you think this was bad? Let me tell you about what's coming in the future. A bad day is coming in the future. So let's look together. Joel, and you need to go back to chapter 2, because the Hebrew Bible starts in verse 28 of chapter 2. They start that as chapter 3, so... In our Bibles, remember, the Bible is the inspired Word of God, but the people who actually wrote the Bible down in English for us, they divide it. The division of the Bible is not inspired, just so you know that. That's actually, it was technical where the word breaks. So chapter 2, verse 28 in the Hebrew Bible is actually chapter 3, beginning of verse 1. So let's go back to chapter 2, verse 28 in our Bibles, if you have a, a non-Hebrew Bible today. And mine's bold, so it actually starts out a new idea. I'm going to read several passages of Scripture, and then we'll expound on the Scripture on your notes and the bulletin, and then we'll go back and forth that way. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And I would like for you to do this since we're in a culture of pronouns today, everybody wants to choose their pronouns. I want you to see what God says about his pronouns. My, my. Watch how many times he actually speaks of himself when he speaks of the word of God, when he's talking about my. And you can count them in your translation. And I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Isn't it awesome to preach this prophecy with lightning striking outside and thunder? I, I, thank you, Lord. It's, just a, it's, a, it's like a building enhancement today. And I will show wonders in the heavens, verse 30, and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. There's a day coming, church. It's not here yet. It's coming. Let's continue. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Does that sound like a New Testament passage? Look in your Bible, look in your notes. Romans 10, 13 says exactly the same thing. Paul inspired Paul to write the exact same thing that God inspired Joel to write some 2,000 plus years before. Let's continue. It's amazing. 
For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Now chapter 3 in our Bibles, verse 1. For behold, in those days, what days? Those last days, those days of judgment. At that time when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, if your Bible says that. We talk about the battle of Megiddo, or we talk about the battle, the, this Jehoshaphat means judgment, so the valley of judgment. Who's coming to the valley of judgment? What does your Bible say? All nations. Who's, the valley of Jehoshaphat is there in Megiddo now. You can see it. If, I wish I should have brought up a map. It's uh, some few miles away from Nazareth. As, as Jesus grew up up on the hillside, he could actually overlook this fertile valley now. There's, there's sheep, as I understand, there's groups of different Jews that came back to the land, and it is a very prosperous valley. There's soybean, there's cotton, there's all kind of crops in this fertile valley that's growing. And it's a perfect valley. There's been wars in the past, and statisticians are people that actually, strategic people actually say, based on the numbers and the way the weather runs, this is the best place to have a battle. This will be an awesome place to actually have artillery or anything to come into the battle the way it's shaped. Now, I've never been in a battle, never planned it that way, but um, that, that if you read and study, this is absolutely a perfect place for battle. So God's going to bring all nations, including America, because sometimes people say, where's America in prophecy? Here we are, you can see, we're part of a nation, the United States of America, therefore we are coming against Israel. One day, the United States will turn its back on Israel and come against Israel in this valley. Let's continue. And I will enter into judgment with them there. Where is he going to enter into judgment? At the Valley of Judgment, at Megiddo. We call it Armageddon. On account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, they have also divided up my land. They have cast lots from my people. They have given as a boy a payment for a harlot and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Indeed, what have you to do with me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all the coast of Philistia? Will you retaliate against me? But if you retaliate against me swiftly and speedily, I will return your retaliation upon your own head because you have taken my silver, you've taken my gold, and have carried into your temples my prized possessions. Also the people of Judah and the people of Jerusalem, you have sold to the Greeks that you may remove them far from their border. Let me stop right there for a second and just add this in. The people he's speaking to is to the north and to the east. This is today Modern, we, we would call it during battle. Remember who David battled all the time and Samson? They battled whom? You remember the story? The Philistines, or the Philistines, if you said that way. They would always battle. This is the same people that he's speaking to. Joel is prophesying, saying, Listen, today you hear of Hamas attacking. That means to, Hamas simply means in Hebrew, I want to hurt you because I want to hurt you. I want to take your stuff and kill you. I want to see you hurt just because I want to see you hurt. That's what Hamas means in Hebrew. Now, the Arabs today are saying it means, well, it means mighty warrior or something strong. But the original meaning means I want to cause you difficulty. I want to cause you pain because I want to cause you pain. I want to see you broken and grieved. Now, today when we actually see Hamas attacking Israel and other people, what are they doing? They want to cause pain. Why? Because they want to cause pain. They want to say, this is our land. And what's happening with Israel? When they, Hamas attacks today, what does Israel do? It's in the news today. What does Israel do? 
And they retaliate. They come back, and it's usually tenfold when they come back, right? So this is a Palestinian, a current Palestinian war. Joel's telling us today, some 2,000 years ago, the Palestinians are going to war against Israel. Is it happening today in the news? Well, listen, if this was 1942, we wouldn't be having this conversation, would we? We'd be preaching it going, I'd be scratching my head as a pastor going, well, the Word of God says Israel's going to be warred against and there is no Israel. If you look on a map of 1940, Israel does not exist. Why? It was destroyed. The temple was destroyed in AD 70. Israel was removed off the map. It didn't exist. So in 1940, 41, 42, 43, there was no Israel when you looked at a map of the world. And then when the United Nations and Russia and America, all of us got together after the war, we pushed out and they pushed back and took the Bible and says, what is the boundaries of Israel? So they pushed out and said, these are the boundaries of Israel. There's a six-day war. There's all kinds of different things that got them more land. But today, this prophecy is closer than ever to being fulfilled. Some people say, well, the prophecy seems so far away. No, it's right here today. In 1947 and 48, this is when Israel became a nation again. Therefore, listen, we're in the last days prophecy because the word of God is coming true. Israel is a nation today. Uh, uh, When President Trump was in office, he moved where? The capital to where? Jerusalem, which he said is the eternal capital of Israel. What's happening today? We hear this negotiation. People are saying, listen, land for peace. You give us our two-state agreement. Give us some land We'll give you peace. We know that's not going to happen. Israel's never going to stop being in war, period, until Jesus comes. And, and after the millennial period. That's the only time there's going to be peace in Jerusalem and then forever more. So today, this has been, has been fulfilled in our time. We, we talked about it last week. Anybody, we had some eight people that were born before 1947. People that were born in this church during their lifetime Israel has become a nation. Stand up again if you would. If you were born before 1947. Stand up. I want you to see. In their time, Israel became a nation. Is this a reality in our life today? Look around. Let's give another. God bless y'all. Is this a reality? Israel became a nation during their lifetime. Bernard was like 27 whenever Israel became a nation. I'm just kidding, Bernard. He was 10, right? Wasn't you 10? 10 years old? When, When were you born? So he was 10 years old. Okay, he was 10. And, and listen, this is in his lifetime. So he went through the transition of having to hear preachers preach going, what is he talking about if you read this passage before then? Because there was no Israel. There's nobody to come against. There's no land to divide. There's no judgment day because Israel doesn't exist except preachers were preaching. There's coming a day. Israel will become a nation again. And it happened in our time, if you will, in our lifetime. And now we're waiting for the other judgment, waiting for the day of judgment to come. How many nations are ramping up against Israel? Israel is the number three, number third leader of uh, agriculture uh, exports in the world. Israel is the size of Rhode Island, producing more than any country. They're number three of all countries. United States, I don't know if Canada is in there. They're producing, and they're only the size of Rhode Island. People are coming home on wings of angels bringing Israelis, Hebrews back home by the dozens and thousands that are coming back repopulating the land. God is doing a work today, churches. If you just look, just Google, Google Israel, Israel Times, read the newspaper online. It'll blow your mind saying how fast God is doing the work that the word of God says 
2,000 plus years ago that he was going to do. It's happening at a clip, and all we can say is, amen, amen, come Lord Jesus, come, amen? Because God has not forgotten his people, Israel. But listen, we're the body of Christ as well. And let me tell you, we did not replace Israel as his chosen people. They are still his chosen people, and we have been chosen as the people of God as well. That we're in a unique time called the church, right? The church never existed. It was a mystery in the Old Testament. Today, here we are. We get to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit if we're saved, and he walks with us here and now and the hereafter forevermore. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. What Jesus said. We live in an awesome time today. I would never want to trade even walking with Jesus. I'd love to be there to walk with him, but I wouldn't trade those times for today because the Bible says we can come boldly before the throne of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You have full access to God to be cleansed and be right with him and walk before him and ask him for anything. He says you don't have because why, church? You don't ask. That's the words of God who is omniscient. He's, listen, he's completely in power. He's completely holy. He's completely righteous. He's completely everywhere all the time. This is the God that we say we serve. We serve an awesome God. Let's continue. He's, gonna, he's telling us, listen, the nations are coming to the valley, the valley of judgment, the valley of Jehoshaphat. All nations are coming there, and he's going to put the hammer on them. He's going to drop it. Verse 7, Behold, I will raise them out of a place to which you have sold them, and will return your retaliation upon your own head. I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, to a people far off. And if you look at this, the old Europeans... For the Lord has spoken, for the Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations, prepare for war, wake up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near, let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am strong. Zechariah 12, 8, by the way, if you take notes, you want to put that there. Assemble and come, all you nations, all and gather together around. Cause your mighty ones to go down there, O Lord. Here we go. We're going to talk to the nations again. This is us. This is America. And by the way, Christians are not here for this. I want to go ahead and add that side note. Uh, we're going to be taken up and taken out. Verse 12, let the nations be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. What is the valley of Jehoshaphat? The valley of what? Judgment. God's holy, righteous judgment. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go down, come and go down, for the wine press is full, the vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Would you say wickedness is great in America today? Canada, pick a spot. Wickedness is happening around the world. People are killing people just for the sake of killing people. People are injuring and robbing just for the sake of doing it and calling it right. Verse 14, how many is going to be there? The Bible says multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. The valley of decision is the same as the valley of Jehoshaphat. God is making a decision, a righteous decision, to judge all the nations there in that valley of judgment. This is the valley of decision. God is not influenced, by the way, by man's decision. He's making his decision. The sun and the moon will grow dark and the stars will diminish their brightness. The Lord also will roar from Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem. The heavens and the earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people. And the strength of the children of what city? Israel country. So you shall know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. Then Jerusalem shall be holy and no alien shall ever pass through her again. And then there's this blessing that comes for those that have repented, those that have turned this people of Israel and it will become, verse 18, and it will come to pass in that day. 
And by the way, church, let me tell you something. When God says more than one time and it will come to pass, you can listen, be absolutely sure what's going to happen. It's coming to pass because God said so, not because somebody wrote something down, somebody thinks something, and it amazes me how many people will take this and say, this is just allegorical. This is just some kind of idea of poetry that Joel's writing, which is poetic in nature, how he wrote it. But listen, I believe this is thus said the word of God, and there's a lot of stuff to back it up in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Joel was just the first one out of the gate, unlocking the door of future prophecy, what's going to happen. You saw this plague of locusts, let me tell you what's coming in the future. It's going to be so much worse. Jesus himself said there's never been so much turmoil in all of the earth ever since the creation of the earth. Bad days are coming, and I mean bad days are coming for those that are left here on the earth. Aren't you glad the Lord Jesus Christ is coming to take us home? Listen, I'm so excited about it. If you're a Christian today, it's up, up, and away. We're going, right? Verse 18, and it will come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drip with new wine, the hills shall flow with milk, and all the brooks of Judah shall be flooded with water. A fountain shall flow from the house of the Lord in the water valley of the Achaeans. Egypt shall be a desolation, and Edom a desolate wilderness, because of violence against the people of Judah. For they have shed innocent blood in their land, but Judah shall abide forever, and Jerusalem from generation to generation. For I will acquit them of the guilt of bloodshed, whom I have not had not acquitted. For the Lord dwells where, church? In Zion at this time forevermore. No, he's all the place, all the time. We know that. Go to your notes. I want to get through this so you can actually have this to take home with you. You need to go home and chew on this a little bit so that you can actually see what God's Word is saying to you personally so that you can actually speak on behalf of your friends sitting around the table, speaking with family and friends. Joel, I told you there in the first paragraph of your notes, he capitalized on the devastating locust plague to emphasize God's message of future judgment, but not just future judgment. What did he broadcast out? Future judgment, but also future hope. There's hope coming. Where were the Israelites, the Hebrews, to make their sacrifices? Where? In the temple. What are they doing today? There is no temple. And you were commanded your sacrifices were to be made only at the temple. There is no sacrifice for sin today because why? There's been one ultimate sacrifice. His name is Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lamb of God. He's been sacrificed once and for all. How many times must a person be saved? How many times did Jesus die on the cross? There's your answer. It's belief in Him, receiving Him as our Lord and Savior. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you forgive me and come into my heart and to my life? The answer is always 100% what? Yes, if we ask Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. We know this is for Christians and non-Christians. If we put those sins out there and say, Lord, I've done this sin. I'm sorry for my sin. As a Christian, we still have to go daily to Him and say, Lord, I messed up today. I said this. I should have acted this way. So for the unbeliever, it's crossing over saying, I believe that Jesus Christ, listen, he really did die for my sins. He really was buried, and God really did raise him from the dead the third day, according to the Scriptures. I believe God. God, would you change me and come into my life? When you ask him, the answer is always 100%. Yes. That's the God that we serve. And then once you say yes to God, he says, now follow me in believer's baptism. And then after you follow him in believer's baptism, he says, now learn from me. And how do you learn? Isn't it amazing that God has left people like us to actually share the word of God and learn from each other? We have some incredible Bible teachers and catalysts and different times of discipleship that we have on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. God has blessed 
us through the power of the Holy Spirit to give the Word of God back out. He had holy men write the Word of God. Some 40 different authors over a 1,500-year period wrote this Word. And you know what the common thing in all this is? Unity under the banner of Christ. Unity. The Word of God is unified. And this, church, is our authoritative source because this is the Word of God. Not somebody who preaches and says, well, I don't fully believe all of this. I think... And as soon as you start saying God's word says, but I think, you're in trouble. If you counter God's word, listen, you're countering the word of God. You say, well, I think there's a different way of looking at that. Throughout history, there's been people who will take the word of God and say, I'm not sure I fully understand it. And this end time stuff, let me just tell you, if somebody knows they've got it all perfectly laid out like a smooth paved road, just wait. It's like a smooth paved road in the city of Aiken. They're going to come dig it up sooner or later, right? Right? You, you, no matter where you put a road in Aiken, let it get nice and blacktop. Somebody's going to dig it up and put a hole there, and you're going to hit it like on this nice road. Uh, that's just a fun, cheap shot there. I shouldn't have taken that. But it's true, right? So if somebody says, I got all of the uh, prophecies and all the end times just perfectly laid out. I know everything that's going to happen. Listen, get away from that person. The end times is in order. God's word is in order if you spend time to study. But you have to spend a lot of time, a majority of your time studying it so that you can know. God wants you to know what's going to happen, and he does tell us. But if somebody's got all the details figured out, listen, end times prophecies is a little bit messy when you start putting it all together. Saying, how does this tie with this? You have to go study, obviously, back in the Hebrew. You've got to go study back in all the Old Testament prophets and in the New Testament as well. It's a lot of work to do. So be careful if you're around somebody who has all the things. If they're working full time, uh, listen, there's enough hours in the day to actually have it all down pat. You, there's enough in the Bible to put it together. And that's why we study people who actually study the Word of God and actually give us commentary or some understanding. And the Holy Spirit speaks to you directly. He'll show you the Word of God if you'll spend time with Him. But I do not believe you'll have every single thing 100% 100% to the, to, the, to the exact mark. You say, well, why not? Well, God's Word, obviously, there's a lot of things that's happened in the past. You need to know regular history as well, world history, as well as actually the history of Israel. There's a lot of things you need to study to know exactly. But listen, God gives us enough so we can understand what's happening next. Do you understand? There's a next event on the calendar that's coming up. What is the next event for us as Christians today? What are we waiting on? He's going to split the eastern sky, the Bible says. Listen, he's coming to take us up. We'll get into First and Second Thessalonians. We're going to get into Revelation here shortly. He's coming back for his church. What has to happen before he comes back? Absolutely nothing. Somebody will tell you, well, the word, don't listen to that, Pastor. The word rapture is not in the Bible. Let me tell you this. The word Bible is not in the Bible either. But do you believe it? The rapture, that... that Taking away, that snatching away is actually the idea of the words there are the taking away of the church of God. Mike read some of it this morning. Church, heed the word of God. When you come through and read the word of God, let's continue. Look at your notes. Joel prophesied of God's future judgment, ultimate judgment. The judgment is still future, but we are 2,023 years, and I should have said plus, which it is plus, or so closer to the valley of decision. That valley is in Israel. It's there today. It's waiting. It's full of cotton. It's full of fruit and vegetables, avocados, all kind of, if you read it, there's all kind of things growing there. But that is going to be the valley of decision. That is going to be the valley of judgment one day. I should say it already is the valley of judgment. We're just waiting to show up there, right? Not us, but the, the nations. It's already there. You don't have to create a valley. There's no earthquake that has to happen. It's happening right where he said so. Verse 28 
Can I put this in your notes? And I, I want you to start every time we do a Bible study. I might not always say this. God's word is true. Amen? He said there in verse 28, it shall come to pass. Amen? It shall come to pass. On that day, the day of judgment. He's given us very precise words there. It shall come to pass. It's future tense. It's going to happen. So I want you to understand that Matthew 5. Can you go there with me? This is an awesome scripture. I didn't put it in your notes. But if you want to take notes, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. When you're there, say amen. Matthew 5, verse 17 and 18. I'm waiting on your amen. Jesus speaking. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. Did Jesus come to destroy the word of Joel? He's very clear. I didn't come to destroy this. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Verse 18 is so important. For assuredly, Jesus said, absolutely be assured of this. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till it is all, what does your Bible say the last word? Fulfilled. Prophecy has to be fulfilled. God does not lie. As we told the children, God always tells the truth. God's the God who gives. God's the God who loves. And God, out of his love, has told us what's going to happen in the future if we simply would accept his word and believe him and trust him. So God's word is true. It shall come to pass. Verse 28 through 31, the future time shall be a full of wonders of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's going to do all kind of different things. There in Acts chapter 2, Peter said, this is like what Joel said is going to happen. Go back and look, look at Peter, uh, what Peter said in Acts 2. Your young men shall speak, right? Uh, have visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Uh, they will speak with tongues or different wonders. The sky is going to turn dark. The moon's going to turn to blood. There was... Some of our Pentecostal friends got really excited about one of their pastors wrote the blood moons. And they said the blood moons are coming and they wrote a book about it and there were different blood moons and that shows that we're there. We're at the end time. But don't look for those signs. Let me tell you, church, we need to be looking up for Jesus' return. And not just walking up with our nose up in the air, but we look with our nose in the Word of God and we go day by day by day sharing the Word of God with those we love and those we care about. And then those we even don't like. We share Jesus with them because why? Jesus commanded us. He, you love me first. You love God first. You love others as you love yourself. He didn't say if you like them. He said love them. And we don't have a choice. Each day by day we can, we're commanded to love because God is love. Let me continue. Verse 32, a beautiful word for the future for our day is this truth. We just said it together. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that a beautiful word? Who can be saved today? Some of our friends are so stinking reformed and they're like, nobody can be saved unless God has chosen all of them and therefore God has chosen some people to go to heaven and God has chosen some people to go to hell. Every time you have a baby, is your baby going to heaven or hell? Would you imagine thinking about that? Imagine living under that pressure. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? This is a promise from Jesus himself. He's telling you about himself, about God, and he said, I'm telling you, there's a promise for me. There's a promise from God. It's for the world. The message is for the world. The problem is people aren't in the church, aren't preaching and teaching the word like we should. We're afraid or we get our feelings hurt or lose our job or fill in the blank, whatever it might be. We won't share the gospel because we need to be courageous in the word of God. 
I think we don't believe the Word of God enough. That's why we don't share enough. We believe enough, I believe, to get into heaven, but that's it. We don't believe God can actually see us through this, whatever testing period is, whatever this tough period is. We don't believe God for even giving. I I talked about it a couple weeks ago. And Have y'all tried me yet? I said, listen, start tithing. Some of you looked at me, it kind of froze up when I said tithing. If you're a guest with us today, listen, I want you to tithe and watch the Lord's blessing. But here's the deal. Here's the catch. I don't want you to tithe here. I want you to tithe to another church. I want to show you. We don't want your money. Uh, We don't want to actually come up and say, how much did you give? Start tithing to another church. Give it to Talitha. Give it to Milburn. Give it somewhere else. Give it somewhere else. Uh, Hopefully where they're preaching and teaching the word of God. Give your tithe there and watch the blessing of God come in your life. Don't give it here. That way you know we're not self-serving, right? Oh, please give your money so we can pay the bills. Listen, if it ever comes a day that we can't pay the bills and we're not close to that anymore, thank God to a good stewardship, thank God to good management by Derek, and, and thank God to a faithful church. We're not there. But if that day comes, guess what we'll do? We'll sell this big old fat building and we'll go meet on the street somewhere. Amen? We're not stuck to a property. We don't, we're not that type of class of people. Listen, we'll meet under a broom tree like we do in Africa or in China. We'll meet somewhere else. We'll meet in the back parking lot of Walmart if we have to. Because, listen, we're not stuck on a building. We're not stuck on a piece of property. We're not stuck at a location. It's about Jesus Christ and listening and worshiping, to, worshiping Him and, and then sharing Him with a watching world, a wanting world. That's our responsibility. But listen, I dare you, I challenge you to take the Malachi 3.10 challenge and start tithing to the Lord of your income. But don't tithe here. Tithe somewhere else. Now, if you're a member and you're faithful here, obviously tithe here now, right? This is your storehouse where you're supposed to serve and work. But if you're a guest or you're just new to this, tithe somewhere else so you know we don't want your money. We want you to receive the blessing of God. God wants to bless you. But he won't bless you if you're disobedient. He can't. Because it's against his holy nature. Let's continue. A fact to be remembered there in verses, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 3. A fact to be remembered. God's word affirms that the Jews are God's chosen people. That, grind, that grinds some people today. That Why did God choose those people? Why are the Hebrews special? Look at Deuteronomy 7, 6. Go back with me if you would. It might be popping up on the screen. Deuteronomy 7, 6. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more numerous. I'm sorry, verse 6, sorry, I jumped to 7. My little pink thing is in the way there. Let me, let me come back there. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for whom? Himself. It was God who chose. A special treasure of all the peoples on the face of the earth. Do you believe that, church? Does that bother you? Make you a little jealous? Makes me a little jealous. But I'm a Christian, so I'm chosen to it, so I'm in, right? I'm in. I'm going to heaven. But isn't it, that's why the nations, listen, he's had to pick a people so that he can actually send his son through the lineage of those people. Through Abraham, listen, who claims Abraham is their father? Have you ever sang the song when you were a kid? Father Abraham had many sons. Well, you're not a Jew unless you're a Jew. How's your father? The Bible says we've been grafted in. We've been adopted into the family of God when we give our heart and life to Jesus Christ. That's why we sing Father Abraham. We got, we're white Europeans or we're black from Africa. We're black from, uh, middle, uh, brown from the Middle East, wherever we might be. Listen, a- Adam is our grandpa. Would you agree? Raise your hand if Adam's your grandpa. Raise your hand if Eve is your grandma. All right, that makes you my brother, my sister, amen? My cousin, right? We got the same family. There's one race, the human race. 
but they were different. God's an artist, so listen, like the rainbows the kids talked about, he changes our skin colors all over the place, don't we? We're all a shade of brown somewhere. We go through the years and through Abraham, God says, listen, every nation that blesses you, I will bless them. That's why America still blesses Israel today. But we call him Father Abraham. The Jews say Abraham's their father. The Muslim says Abraham's their father. Is that true? Yes, it's true. But we know that Isaac was the chosen one. There was a chosen generation, God said, and we don't have to like it. It's just true from the word of God. So I want you to put that in your notes. Remember, this is a fact to be remembered. The church of God has not replaced. It's called replacement theology. And if you ever have that conversation with somebody, we have not replaced the people of Israel. We are a mystery from the Old Testament that God had planned for us that we would walk and be his body, be the chosen ones of God as well. All right. God says, they're my people, my heritage, Israel, my land, my gold, my treasures, my people. Understand? That's who he's speaking to. So make sure when you read end times prophecy, is God speaking to the church or is he speaking to the people of Israel? Is he speaking to the nation or is he speaking to the church? So you have to read and study what he's, who he's speaking to and with. Look at the next, if you would, your notes. The ultimate goal of God's choice of the Jews as his chosen people was to produce the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who would be the Savior of the world. And I didn't put the scripture in there, but Matthew one twenty one. if you write the notes, write that down, Matthew one twenty one and Luke 19.10, what Jesus told Zacchaeus. You remember Zacchaeus? What was he? What's a wee little man, right? Wee was a wee little man. He, he was a short guy, right? I don't know why we sing it that way, but everybody do wee when you're little? Zacchaeus was only this big. I don't remember when it was preschool, right? It was elementary. Jesus said, listen, salvation's come to your house today. This is the whole reason I've came to this earth is to save people from their sins. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ said of himself. The angel told Joseph, listen, his name shall be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The Messiah had to come to a pure lineage, our chosen lineage there and we know that Mary was chosen. She was of the lineage, and so was Joseph, even though Joseph was not his father. But his heavenly father overshadowed the virgin. We'll talk about that even at Easter as we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he did come like he said he was coming. He did offer salvation to anyone who would call upon the name of the Lord. And he did die on the cross, and he was raised again according to the Scriptures. Listen, that's the promise from the Word of God. Amen? So here's the news. Here's the bad news. Verses 9 through 11. There is much war, pain, and heartache and toll left for Israel to endure. Every nation would turn against them to destroy them, but God promised to deliver them. That's happening in the future. Every nation, no matter how much you feel pride in America, we're going to turn our back on Israel and we're going to be demolished there, destroyed in the valley of decision. It's going to happen. Verses 12 through 17, as we finish up, In that great day the Lord will bring the multitudes of all nations to the valley of decision. There he will pass judgment, righteous judgment, and show himself strong. Isn't the Lord strong, Almighty? Anybody hurry when it started lightning this morning? If it strikes around you, what do you do? Keep walking with your umbrella up high? Well, don't hang out with me. I want to do it. I'm running. I'm, I'm getting it. The Lord can catch me on the fly. I know that. But I'm going to leave that charge where you've got the positive negative happening around you. I'm, I'm getting out of there so you can actually take it all on yourself and be the hero. No hero for me, right? The Lord's strong. He, he decides the outcome. It's doom. It's doom for all the nations. That's the outcome. Destruction. And finally, verses 18 to 21, we, like the early church, must not be deceived or troubled because the time has not yet come, but it's near. Would you agree? The time is near. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 
verse 1 through 4. Mike read some of that. And listen, let me read it just really quick again. You don't need to turn there. Second Thessalonians chapter 4, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. He says this, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means that the day, the day, or that day, will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of lawlessness, y'all know this guy coming, the Antichrist, the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And you can continue to read that on your own. Let me encourage you, listen, don't be fooled by any teacher today. Jesus has not returned yet. But if you come next Sunday and I'm not here and you look around and there's a lot of empty spaces here, a lot of empty spaces, uh, you might... If, Plane crashes and everything. Aliens did not come get us. Jesus came and got us. Amen? He's not an unidentified flying object. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he's coming back for his church. Amen? So listen, are we going to be taken away? Yeah, we're going to be taken away. It's going to be that quick around the world. Gather together. The dead in Christ will rise first. Those who us remain will join and meet him in the sky. Isn't that amazing to think about? Praise God. It's going to be awesome. Let's get this last note, if you would. As we wait, right? As we wait, the return of our Lord to take us home, we must be an example and a witness to the world. Would you go with me over to that passage of Scripture, Second Peter chapter 3? Look what Peter says as we wait. This is the same Peter who denied Christ, the same Peter who was, just, who was restored by, uh, by Christ to God, and then he's going to say these words. Peter's going to write this. Inspired by God to write this word. So this is God saying, as we read the word, 2 Peter chapter 3, begin in verse 8. We'll finish with this. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Whether he meant that literally or not, I don't know. So it's 2,000 years since Jesus died on the cross, 2023. In God's age, how long is that? It's been two days ago. <laughs> Does that mess your mind up a little bit? Just two days ago, what did you do two days ago? Anybody remember? Two days ago was what? Thursday, right? Saturday, Friday. What did you do on Friday? Yeah, I can't count. Just Friday. That's what Peter's saying. Look back. The death of Jesus, the burial and resurrection was just two days ago. Now, if that's literal, I'll, I'll take it. If it's not, I'll take it. I don't, <laughs> it just means his time's not like our time's, right? He knows all things. He's eternal. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slightness but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. The same thing he's calling for Israel to come to, he's calling us to come to. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking forward, hastening the coming of the day of, the God, of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Amen? Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot 
and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. As also, verse 16, in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Verse 17, you therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with error of wickedness of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen and amen. Amen. He tells us how to live. How do we live? Listen, we live holy in these last days. How do we live holy? The Holy Spirit lives through us. And when we sin, we confess that sin. When we do wrong, we make it right. When someone does wrong against us, we confront the wrong and say, this is what Christ would have us to do. So here's my question for you. Are you ready? Are you ready for his return? If he comes right now, are you ready to meet him face to face? Your clean hands and a pure heart? Yeah, you're saved, but are you ready? Is all your relationships right? Is all your things in order with God? Is he going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant? Have you been serving him like you should? through prayer, through giving, through works, because he saved you to do good works that he preordained for you to do. Isn't that amazing? We serve an awesome God, don't we? We serve an awesome God. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you today that you are so awesome, that you have laid out this plan that you have told us. Lord, as Peter even said about Paul's writings, that you exposed Paul and inspired him to write, there's some hard things for us to understand. And sometimes we want it all one, two, three, four, five in a row and Father, that's not the way your way is. Your ways are much higher than our ways. But today, Lord, you give us the ability through the Holy Spirit to understand your word and then to share your word in love that many might come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Help us today, we pray, as we understand and interpret Scripture. Help us as we get ready to celebrate this Resurrection Sunday, this season that you came. Lord, every day is holy day when we're Christians. Walking in step with you. Lord, today, if there's somebody who's not a Christian and they don't know how to do this, how to pray or how to give their hard life to Jesus Christ, I pray that today they would ask the questions. Today would be their day of salvation. If there's Christian brothers and sisters that are here today that are angry or frustrated or mad at you, Lord, you're okay with that. You can deal with it. But Lord, let them come to the place of receiving your forgiveness and your, let us say it as well with our soul. Father, wherever you find us today, may we do business with you. Lord, that we would be in right relationship, but Lord, also in right fellowship with you. can't do it on our own because it's too hard. It's impossible. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do all things, Lord, through Christ who gives us the strength. Today, Lord, you give that person the strength to be saved. Give that person the strength to confess. Give that person the strength to pray, cry out to you, and fall in love with you all over again. Thank you for your love and changing our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.